welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Loisel. And with me, too, Dyke, is my co-host. Um, Mark Salcedo, uh, senior editor and writer at Screen Geek. You're going to have to get used to saying that, and it's going to be, you know, you fucking up saying your title every time again. I know, I know. Like, you it, just stopped fucking it up. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, like, I was, uh, that's I, that's why there, I paused, because I was like, don't say managing editor, don't say managing editor, don't say managing editor. I was like, I didn't <laughs> say it. Because, mm. you know me, I don't, I never fuck up on this podcast. Like, ever. 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 Mm. That's believable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I have to say about that? <laughs> what? Be afraid. Be mm. very afraid. I should be saying that to you. I don't ever fuck up. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Mm. Yeah. I'm always afraid. Did you know, and you didn't, so I'm going to tell you, that tagline for The Fly, you know who came up with that? Hmm. Mel Brooks. Really? He was a producer on The Fly. Oh. Yeah. Then I don't like the movie now. That means you should really love it. <laughs> um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal, two E's in real. You can email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. If you could please review us, we would appreciate that. You know, anywhere that you are streaming our show. Mm-hmm. Um, our segments for the show this week are our recent review of Infinity Pool, our Obscene and Obscure segment, which we haven't done in a while, of Chud, which mm-hmm. came out in 1984. Triumphant Return. Yeah. Um, and then our geriatric cinematic is The Fly, which came out in 1986. <laughs> Why do you say it like that? I don't know. The Fly. The Fly. <laughs> so, no, you kind of sounded like Brundlefly. Brundle fly. Yeah, Brundle fly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the topic? Uh, something off about the Cronenbergs. Don't know what exactly, but we're going to find out. Mm. So, I had a really weird dream last night. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, for folks who don't know... Um, sorry, let me check the volumes again. All right, so for folks who don't know... Um, uh, I've been taking medication. Kelsey and I have talked about our mental issues and stuff like that, and the fact that we're on medication for like our anxiety disorder and such. Um, there is an anxiety, anxiety-reducing medication I take called like a Boost Bar. That's like the nickname for it, but it's like Boost Baron or something like that. Um, and I've had two psychiatrists have told me uh, if you take it before you go to sleep, it'll help you. It'll help you stay asleep, or it'll help with your sleep, or it'll reduce the chances of having anxiety attack in the middle of the night, which has been a problem with me. Um, so I tried it a couple times, and I told them, like, I'm not doing that anymore, and they asked why. And I, and I told them, I have these really intense dreams, like these very vivid and intense dreams. Um, uh, and uh, so, so I've... I've been like, okay, so like time has gone by. I'm like, all right, I have to take it in the middle of the night. I have to take it before going to bed. It's just part of my regiment now, right? So like I said, I've been having these really weird dreams. So last night, 
uh, I dreamt about a coworker that I haven't thought about in years. Right? I don't even remember that coworker's name, but for some reason, I was dreaming. <laughs> I was dreaming about her, mm-hmm. um, and like I found out that she became an actress. Right? But I wasn't. Like one one part of me was like, that's good for her. That is good for. Her. I'm so happy. I'm so glad for her. Right? Mm-hmm. But like, maybe it wasn't her. And I kept trying to find out if it was her. So, <laughs> so I started like I started like finding like her her stuff, like her anything she's acting. And most of it was like telenovelas and shit like that. <laughs> okay. So then what happened next is I started stalking her. <laughs> and I still didn't know if it was her or not. I was like, I think this is her. You were could possibly have been stalking a complete stranger. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, like I remember, like I remember, like going through like certain cities and stuff like that. Like, it wasn't like L.A. It seemed like it was like like Chicago or like Detroit or something like that. Like I was going through like these cities to like try to find out if it's her and everything. And then like it it changed to like a different dream. Right, I think I think I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, "Oh, that was weird." To like, and then I like went back to sleep. So then, um, I had another dream that I was watching a movie um, at my home, but it was like a like a big screen, like almost like a theater screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was watching it. <laughs> I was watching this movie, and it was like, so it was this black and white movie. It was a noir film, right? But it was like, and it starred uh, John Cho. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Asian actor, and I remember like watching it, and I was just like, "Wow, this is a really fucking good movie! Holy shit!" Right? Mm-hmm. And like he had like a he had a like a trench coat, like an over jacket or whatever. And I'm just like totally enamored by this whole movie. Just like, whoa, whoa, this is like great acting. This is great storytelling. The camera work is amazing, and it's like a noir film, but like a neo noir film. This is fucking dope, right? Mm-hmm. And then. The movie like turns into color near the end, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Wait, what's going on?" And then like, John Cho takes off his jacket, and he's wearing the Spike Spiegel outfit from Cowboy Bebop, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh my god, this is a Cowboy Bebop movie!" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "This is great! This is fucking fantastic! Holy shit!" I'm like so excited about it. <laughs> and for the rest of the dream, I'm trying to tell anybody and everybody like you gotta see this movie it's cowboy Bill. <laughs> and i'm like telling strangers i'm just like walking up to people like talking about them i think you were in the dream and i was trying to like tell you but maybe it wasn't you or once again maybe it wasn't you <laughs> but yeah and then <laughs> excuse me so yeah, the rest of the dream, I'm like trying to tell everybody about this Cowboy Bebop movie that nobody's watching, and it's like it's great. It's the Cowboy Bebop like live action that like I wanted. It was fucking phenomenal. And then I wake up, and I'm like, and the first thing I say is, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> the second thing was, "Man, I wish I wanted that movie was real." <laughs> I, a part of me was like, "Damn, that'd be so dope if it was real," but yeah, so. Uh, um, I have an uncomfortable stalker story. Is it like, is it real or a dream? No, it was real. Are, are you stalking or someone's stalking you? Um, I think that I came off as I was stalking. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that you're like, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know that really quiet black guy that lives upstairs? Oh, from He's your like apartment? really muscular. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. He never says anything. Mm. Well, one time recently he said hi, and I was like, whoa, shit, he talks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have a car a couple spaces over from mine, mm. and the windows are tinted. Okay. And one time I got out of my car, and for some ungodly reason, it became very important for me to know if there was someone in the car or not. <laughs> And the windows were tinted, and I couldn't tell. And I'm, like, staring at the car. And I'm like, is there someone in the car? <laughs> how, like, how were you... St- did, did you, like, put your face to the window? No, like? I didn't put my face to the window. Uh, I didn't approach the car, but I was just, just standing there staring at it. <laughs> how, long were you star- how long were you standing there staring at it? <laughs> like a minute Oh, my half. God. <laughs> what happened next? Well, then I saw him, like, I left, I left, and I came back uh-huh. to the car, uh-huh. and he got out of the, his car. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm just picturing you standing there just, like, looking, <laughs> just looking at the window, like, and he's just sitting there like, what? What the f- is she, does she see me? What the fuck is she? And you're just standing like, look. <laughs> and I swear, at that exact moment, I'm like, I am a white woman, <laughs> and this black man probably thinks that I'm a racist or something. Or being like, being like a um that that like nosy. A Karen. No, like. Like that nosy white neighbor. So yeah. like, be, like being a Karen is like being more like, you shouldn't be sitting here because the law says. That's yeah, like yeah. being more Karen. But I, <laughs> he probably was like, what does this white bitch want? <laughs> like, <laughs> she's this nosy ass bitch. What is she doing? <laughs> and, you know, he doesn't talk, so we never spoke about it. <laughs> but he did say hi a few months ago. Oh, uh, did he? Yeah. I doubt that was the last time he'll probably say hi. <laughs> Well, no, what, I did the thing like a year or two ago. Oh, staring at the window? Yeah, but I, I remember oh. it because I'm like, what a fucking weirdo. Why did I do that? Oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> like, I, it was like, not important like, at all. <laughs> the way how you talk about it, I'm like, I'm thinking like, did you do this like yesterday or a couple days ago? But you said this happened a year ago? Yeah. That's funny how like that thought just pops in your head. That's like, that's. I think about it at least like a couple times a month. Oh, really? <laughs> Because I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? Like, what is wrong with me? You know me? what? That is a that is a common thing for like people with like an anxiety ridden mind, where you're just like sit there or be like laying in bed, and then you'll be like, why did I do that really stupid thing three years ago? God, that was so stupid, and it just like stays with you for like hours, even though nobody probably remembers that. But like in in your case, I'm sure that I'm sure that neighbor remembers it. Like, you know, like every time he sees you, he like remembers it or some shit. It takes me an average of 10 years to stop thinking about things. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like uh, when I was uh, living on base in um, North Carolina, mm-hmm. then there were two neighbors who were like young, like 19 years old. Yeah. And I was too. But they kind of ganged up on me and it became like a high school drama bullshit. Mm-hmm. And for like 10 years, I would think about it because like... They were kind of assholes, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I finally let it go. And then one of the women fucking 
messaged me on Instagram. She's like, yeah, I'm going to rehab. I'm getting my yeah. kids taken away from me. Just, you know, wanted to apologize to you. Mm, all like, that as part of like her program yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that 12-step program. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I get you. Um, <laughs> I, I I tend to never let anything go. <laughs> Ever? Well, no, like, if I if I do, I, like, spent time of, like, I should let that fucking go, like. Yeah. But whenever it's, like, small stuff like that, it just comes to me, and then, like, I think about it, and then, like, okay, it's gone. Mm. And it'll, it'll return some other random time or some shit mm-hmm. like that. So, just so you know, mm. I stared at someone for a minute and a half, not knowing they oh were there. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Do you remember if you had, like, facial expressions, or you are like... No, I couldn't see um, if I did. Yeah, if you were like squinting your eyes or something like that. Yeah, oh yeah, I was. I was like. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (sighs) That's like the universal like nosy neighbor. (laughs) face squinting your eyes. Like what the fuck? Like for some reason, you're going to squint your eyes and like you're going to be able to see see past the tent. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I see that person. (laughs) Squint my eyes. (laughs) So the thing is about that, that I'm not like oh like how embarrassing that Mm. i did that more like that is kind of the thing with me but at the same time i'm more worried about why was that so important for me to see that fucking car like that's not important what the fuck (laughs) i'm not nosy like that either like my brain was like broken yeah you're not a nosy person at all you tend to keep to yourself unless like somebody like approaches you and you know, you like assess the, assess the situation. You know, are like, all right, this person a threat, or like, am I gonna be cool with this person? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> fucking fun. <laughs> I think it would have been funnier if you like put your hand on the window to like really peek. That in. wouldn't have been funny. I would have been scared. I if you if that had <coughs> sorry if that had happened, you told that story. I would have laughed even harder. Because <laughs> he probably would just roll the window and be like, Can I help you? <laughs> Not as hard as when I was laughing on the weekend. Oh, my rave story. <laughs> well, I'll share that another time. Yeah, yeah. I'll share that another time. Um, all right. Uh, you want to hop into uh, our review? Mm-hmm. All right. What are we uh, reviewing? We are going to do our recent review of Infinity Pool. I don't understand why we're doing this. We barely know these people. It's one day. Let's mix things up a bit. You're just happy you found your fan club. I've been waiting six years for your second book. Is it coming out soon? I'm working on it. What do you do for money then? He married well, rich. <laughs> <laughs> I actually came here looking for inspiration. James Foster, you have to come with us. Here, the punishment for any crime committed is death. What? What did you say? The synopsis is, James and M. Foster are enjoying an all-inclusive beach vacation in the fictional island of La Tolca when a fatal accident exposes the resort's perverse subculture of hedonistic tourism. Directed and written by Brandon Cronenberg, it stars Cleopatra Coleman, Alexander Skarsgård, and Mia Goth. Mia Goth. Um, we're becoming fans of Mia Goth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both we both watched her in what 
X and Pearl. I don't think she's ever going to be in anything wholesome. I don't think oh, she ever has no. been or ever will be. No, she has that personality of like, I'm going to be in in horror films or just weird shit. Mm. Um, like Infinity Pool, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Kelsey, what's your overall thoughts of Infinity Pool? I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it took me on a pretty hard emotional ride. Really? Not like, oh, I'm depressed or anything. Yeah, not like the whale or anything like that. But I was like uncomfortable the whole time. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, like, I could kind of relate to some of what was going on, but not in the, oh, this is fun kind of way, but, like, y'all are going to get me killed kind of way. Mm. Or, like, this is, like, the reason why I don't like hanging out with people that are, like, clearly unhinged. Mm-hmm. Or they're too fucking loud and don't have a filter because I'm, like, <clears throat> I, I don't have any control over that. Yeah. Um. This film made me feel like I don't have any control over that. <laughs> okay. And um, there's like some heckling that goes on in the film. Yeah. Um, that I was like, God, I remember how people were fucking assholes in school. Mm. So for me, it was just like that's like a kind of a flashback, like a yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Um, it's funny. I had uh, not necessarily the opposite effect um, or opposite feeling. Um, uh, like it's like you say, it made you feel uncomfortable. I, <laughs> I guess this kind of tells you what type of person I am. I absolutely love the 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 just the not well, not the debauchery of just like the madness of it. Mm-hmm. Like I like I saw these people and I was like, I can totally hang out with these. Pe-. Like I would totally want to hang out with these people. Not like now, mm-hmm. but if I encounter these people like in my twenties, maybe early thirties, I'd be like, fuck yeah, let's do all this. <laughs> wild ass crazy shit and you would put aside the fact that they're rich and here's the thing i would put that aside but that's because they're they're almost guaranteed to like have fun because money's not an issue with them Mm. we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and buy all the drugs we're gonna just go ahead and do all this shit because we can totally get away with it gotcha um like (laughs) i also so that's just one effect that i had on me but i also Mm. like the movie because um I could tell that I was kind of not on the wife's side. Oh, uh, uh, M, um, Cleopatra Coleman? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it got to a point, I'm like, you don't fucking get it. Like, go fucking cry in a corner. <laughs> oh, yeah, seriously. That's like, how I felt. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I am on that side. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, need a level of, like, calmness. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I honestly did feel the same way about um, Cleopatra Coleman, who played M, uh, Foster, uh, James Foster's wife. Um I felt the same way about that. Like, it was kind of like, not like, you know, you're a joy kill, but just like, like, clearly you're not part of the party. Like, yeah. just like, like, go away. Yeah. You know, um, which I think that's what, that's what her, Alexander uh, Sarsgaard um, character was just like, yeah, go the fuck away. I'm mm-hmm. gonna go and do this shit. I found me a goth and like, she's wild as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um <clears throat> All right, so uh, what do you think of the acting? Is there anybody in particular that, like, that was just like, this is it. This person is, like, got my whole attention. Um, It's really kind of hard to Mm. choose between Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth. Mm. Mia Goth had the, the, I guess, the higher elevation of acting as far as, like, like you can't tell if she's playing or not. Mm. Um. And she really comes off as crazy, but he was doing 
all the fucking facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Like he had, it was almost anime with oh, okay. how wild his eyes looked when he was terrified. Yeah. Um. So I actually I think I might have enjoyed his acting a little bit more. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. See. <clears throat> I'm more on the Mia Goth side. Well, because you like crazy women. Yes. <laughs> but no, no. But she was like, like she, she was like the person who like understood the assignment. Like this is going to be a crazy fucking movie, so I need to be as crazy as the movie goes. Like, like she had, she was like not like starting off crazy, mm-hmm. but she was like revving it up as like the movie was like revving up, revving up in the intensity. Mm-hmm. She was just like just matching uh, with that. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, to me, Alexander uh, Sarsgaard was very close behind because like his emoting and everything was like really spot on, mm-hmm. but I like how he was like a surrogate for the audience. Like I remember, um, cause I saw this at a press screening, um, and I remember sitting there watching it. I was like, okay, like Brandon Cronenberg chose this dude because he wants to be the reaction that everybody's going to get while watching this movie. Mm-hmm. And he like fit with that perfectly. Like there were people at this press screening who were like clearly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, yeah, that's how, that's how, that's how James Foster feels like in these situations. Cameron that's- wanted to go watch the movie. Ooh. Right. Ooh. She's like, do you want company? Can I go Ooh. with you? I was like, it, I don't know. It has like, watch the trailer. She watched the trailer. She's like, it has human flesh masks. No. And I then mean, that's not even true. <laughs> well, I mean, not. I mean, that and that was it. That and that wasn't the most egregious thing that I know <laughs> in this movie. She was like, "No, nah, I'm out." And then I'm like, "And I know, Kate. I know for sure, Cadence can't watch it. I. It would be. That would be thing. too much for Cameron, let alone Cadence. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you know, as as uh, as Kelsey and I are watching more horror movies and everything, we've come to realize that her youngest daughter is like yeah i want to watch these movies with you these mm-hmm. scary movies i felt like if she did watch it she would just be like i don't know like i don't know what to do with <laughs> yeah <any of> this. <laughs> <laughs> what she did tell me was mm-hmm. that as soon as she's old enough she wants to watch that movie infinity pool mm-hmm. and i'm like okay yeah and she's like i know i'm gonna forget in like five days but no, no it'll be fine like it'll show up on tnt somewhere <laughs> Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, like to me, Mia Goth is like really up there. That Alexander Skarsgård is like close, close behind. I really got to give it to that dude because um, <clears throat> when like everyone was introduced to that guy through uh, True Blood, where mm-hmm. he played like he played like the one of the main vampires, but he was very like sexualized. He was like this. Oh, he was his character is actually like a Viking. Uh, vampire mm-hmm. um but yeah he was very sexualized he was like big he was bulky he was like his attitude was like bad boy but like like you wanted him even though you know he was gonna break your heart and shit like that or like fuck around behind your back um <clears throat> and then when that show ended he was trying to get these he was getting these roles but there were like these roles where like you're handsome you got a great body that's all we need you for Mm-hmm. And he was like a dude who was just like, I don't want to just do that. You know, but they did the same. He is the one who was in Tarzan. Yeah, right? he played Tarzan. They did the same thing to him in Tarzan. Yeah. And that kind of makes me sad now that I've seen him in this. Yeah. Because I'm like, no, this guy can fucking act. Like, why yeah. are you? Why? Yeah. And like bit by bit, he's been taking like these like more of these independent movies and mm-hmm. stuff like that because he, he really wants to act. Um, <clears throat> he, he does a great role in that show, uh, Succession. I mm-hmm. think he joined like. 
I think he joined like maybe the third season or I think he showed up in the third season. Um, but even there, he was acting his ass off. And even in uh, the Viking, I'm sorry, not the Viking, the Northmen. Mm-hmm. I thought his acting was really great in that movie as well. And this is proves like another case. Like, yeah, this this dude, he's like, he's really trying to grow as an actor and not just be like a pretty face. Tarzan really had me thinking that he was a shitty actor. Yeah, that's. A, <laughs> I've seen clips of that movie. That movie is shitty as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So the writing. The writing and directing <clears throat> done by Brandon Cronenberg. We do you you have some thoughts of what the movie was trying to say. Mm-hmm. What, what what were they? I think it really has to do with um, people taking a break from their real life mm-hmm. because they lose themselves in like the mundane day to day and like mm-hmm. um, when you're at this place, you could do whatever you want. It's yeah. like where does your imagination take you? Yeah, it's very it's very Westworld type shit. Yeah, yeah, kind of. I think it actually goes harder than Westworld. Oh no, it goes it goes a lot harder because I think the way how the way how Brandon Cronenberg shot it was like it's a bit more demented. Like when you watch Westworld and they start talking about the topic of like <clears throat> when you have all this money and power, you know, morality just goes out the window and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it came like at a very philosophical level. Where, um, where Brandon Cronenberg showed more of like the violence and like the crazy and the sex and everything like that, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> he he kind of did it in more subtle ways of like, like you're like losing pieces of your soul as like you continue as you like as you like literally die. Yeah. You're like bit by bit, you're becoming more of like an animal and shit like that. Um, it also kind of explores like. Who are you really? Mm-hmm. Especially with um, the different things that happen uh, with the government and what they do oh, to yeah. the people. Mm-hmm. Um, then you don't really know if you're you or you're someone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was interesting. I feel, I feel like they didn't lean into that too hard, and I feel like they made the right choice because mm, it just okay. they give you like a breadcrumb, and then you're wondering about it the rest of the movie even though they don't really bring it up again yeah so one thing i've one thing that i've i haven't i haven't really seen a whole lot um when people talk about this movie is um they don't think they don't talk about the comedy that's in this movie it's like subtly like demented comedy Mm -hmm. like there are parts i was actually kind of chuckling at like certain things that they were saying um, or certain acts, I was like, "Yeah, this is actually kind of funny," but like in a fucked up way. Yeah. Did you Did you get a sense of that? Not that I can remember, but I might. If mm. you bring it up in the spoiler section, I'll probably. Okay. I think I think towards the end when they're in the bus. Oh yeah, to me that was I was cracking up on that scene. Yeah. Um, especially like the part where like where they're chasing a they're not chasing they're letting a particular character like walk. Mm-hmm. And like another character's like talking mad shit about this person. Oh no, I meant the very very end. Oh, the very oh not not the other bus scene. No. Oh okay. <clears throat> you thought that was funny? Yeah. Mm. Because of the switch. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, I can totally see. That. Oh yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. Oh yeah, hope you come back next year. What? <laughs> um. Oh yeah, so so what do you think of uh, this is because this is this is your second Cronenberg, uh, David. I'm sorry, Brandon Cronenberg. Brandon Cronenberg, <laughs> yeah, because we saw uh, Possessor, 
when mm-hmm. we reviewed that on, on the show. Um, I think his I think his directing is only getting better. Mm-hmm. Like, like Possessor, like I liked Possessor. Um, I felt like it was a bit more intense than this movie. Yeah, but I think I think Infinity Pool, it's more visually stimulating. Stimulating. Um, I think to me it was pretty psychological, actually. Mm, okay. Like they have some scenes, and one in particular that is visually visually stimulating, mm-hmm. but for the most part, um, it's a hundred per- like it's almost a hundred percent psychological. Yeah. Um, which to me is what made it, uh, I guess, all encompassing. Like I just felt like mm-hmm. I couldn't get away from it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it wasn't like necessarily <laughs> bad, but it was uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon Cronenberg like grabbed you. He was like, "No, no, no, he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I got some shit to show you." <laughs> um, yeah, there was like, <laughs> there were a couple. Of, first of all, there was like that one scene with Mia Goth and Alexander Sarsgaard on the beach. Sarsgaard. Sorry, Sarsgaard. I was I, I've been saying Sarsgaard, but that's the other actor. Uh, Sarsgaard. Um, that scene on the beach, mm-hmm. and I was like. Yeah, we're doing this. Holy shit. <laughs> like, we'll go into the spoilers, but I was just like, we're fucking doing this. This is it. This is the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's an introduction to, like, debauchery. <laughs> um, uh, anything to add for uh, the directing or anything else you want to add before we get into the spoilers? Um, I had something, but now I lost it. So, no. You can find it. Just look in your heart. I think everything gets lost in my heart. It's a black hole. It's a void. No, your heart is too big. Sometimes you just lose some. It's like you drop some keys and they're like, yeah. oh, all right, I got to find my keys. It's a void. Yes. <laughs> but a good kind of void. It's a vortex. <laughs> a good kind it's of a, vortex. It's a Bermuda Triangle. Not the good kind. <laughs> I'm just going to add that to it. Not the good kind. <laughs> um, okay, so at Great Links, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna talk. <clears throat> we're gonna talk about Infinity Pool. Uh, we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna talk about it at great lengths. Um, so if you don't want to be spoiled, here's your spoiler bumper right about now. So you said this movie made you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, any any scenes in particular that made you feel uncomfortable? Um, the one where uh, he's trying to get away on the bus. Okay. And so, so the scene I thought was funny. The scene you thought was funny. Yeah. I was like terrified. Okay, so you're referring to the scene where Mia Goth. Where where they've caught up to him, like mm-hmm. Alexander Skarsgård is like trying to run away. He's trying to get away on a, on a bus. Mm-hmm. They catch up to him, they, mm-hmm. you know, Mia Goth and her her cronies, and she like pulls out a gun. It's like, you know, James Foster, get out of the fucking car, like all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what's worse than that one mm-hmm. is the one where he comes out of that house after at, at night, and they're waiting for him in the vehicles. Oh, you talking about the farm? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah, because like they, yeah. you don't know what their intentions are. Yeah, and also like, what's the point of 
like fucking with this guy like he clearly mm-hmm. is okay with the shit that you're doing mm-hmm. he's all into it why why are you trying to break him down even further mm-hmm. but it's not like i don't like the movie for it mm-hmm. i know that people are like that so it fits well and it, mm-hmm. it didn't take away it from it at all like mm-hmm. it, it was part of the movie but like mm-hmm. um i just thought like i was really uncomfortable because i'm like if i'm that guy like mm-hmm. You're just hunting me. And which version of me are you hunting? I that, That's the thing. I took that. So I, I took that scene um, and then them like fucking with him. Um, it's like them constantly testing him. Like because they I, I feel like they, they viewed him like they viewed him as a like, tourist. Like I know they were like literally tourists, but like in their lifestyle, he viewed they, they viewed him as a tourist. Mm-hmm. And Mia Goss character like was like. I don't want you to be. I mean, she did it in a very vulgar and violent way, but she was like, "I don't want you to be a tourist. I want you to be who you are." Like, because she kept seeing something in him that like matched up with like the feel they were going for, but like he was still like, I feel like he was still holding on his to his humanity. That's why he was like, he was like hesitant to do certain things, mm-hmm. like the part where they were, um, where they were gonna like. I think I think they're gonna like kill like one of the like a prime minister or something. I can't remember. It was like some government official. That first thing that they went to do, right? Yeah, yeah, right. And he was just like, there's like that scene where like she has a gun, or like he gives she gives uh, Mia Goth gives uh, um, so Gabby gives James the gun, mm-hmm. and it's like shoot him, and then he's like not doing it, and she like takes the gun, and I think that was like her first like test like. If you're with us, you're gonna fucking do this. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just constantly like testing him to like push him, push him, push him, until like he literally had to like kill a version of himself, mm-hmm. and that was like a sign of like, okay, he's like he, nothing should hold him back any further. Yeah, mm. I kind of get that, but I'm like also that's the first time that you're asking him to kill somebody. He's obviously not gonna do it, mm-hmm. and then he did kill a version of himself, and she kept on. Oh, you're talking about the guy, the the version that he beat the shit out of? Yeah, but then he did also, like... I just think, I don't think he, I don't think he killed him, I think. He didn't think he knew. Yeah, it's because he, he didn't... He, he didn't know it was him. Yeah, exactly. And I, I I would think that, like, if she, if, if, if it started with, like, him knowing that that's a, a copy of him, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have acted that way. And once again, that was, like, another way of testing him, and she was just like... And he fa- he failed the fucking test, and she's mm-hmm. like, "No, you gotta. I want you to go hard on this shit." Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what that was my assessment. Yeah, and I, and I think that, I mean that is mine too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I think it was a little painful how we got there. Yeah. Like she was testing him, but she was testing us too. Like yeah, yeah, and and that's funny because like like all of that, I it did not make me feel uncomfortable. I was just like, yeah, go harder. <laughs> Like, just go into it. But I think it's because you sided with her more. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, like, the the nature of the movie really bothered me. It yeah. was just, like, I've had people make me feel really uncomfortable like that before. Yeah, yeah. I and I, I hate it. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah, I Like, I was you. tortured by kids growing up. No, yeah, I, I understand. And I, I would like <laughs> I would like to... Uh, let anybody know who's listening that I was not like that. I did not bully people growing up. <laughs> no, I take that back. I bullied one kid once, and I felt god awful about it. And I even apologized to that kid. I'm like, I'm so sorry for what I did. Mm-hmm. You know. And we had. He was just like, No, it's okay. Like, 
we were kids and everything like that. Um, <clears throat> but something about it was like, maybe because I'm getting into this, um, I'm kind of getting into my like somewhat anarchy, back into my anarchy roots. Because mm-hmm. I had this, I had this ideology, or I had this mindset of like, crum- the society needs to crumble because it's all bullshit and everything mm-hmm. like that. And I think since I've gotten older and realized how much the world is full of shit, that I'm like, yeah, just let it all fucking burn down, mm-hmm. you know. So sometimes when I see stuff like this, I'm just like, yeah, just fuck, just go ham because it it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, you know. I think that is like the biggest point of the movie. Yeah. Um. So let's go. Let's talk about them visuals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, first of all, that scene where uh, James Foster is cloned for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I saw that, I was like, "All right, this is a Brandon Cronenberg film." Like, all right, I'm I'm already in. I'm ar- you've already got me right because mm-hmm. it reminded me a lot of Possessor, um, and like these like weird psychedelic kind of like movies that kelsey and i are like getting into like beyond the black rainbow and then there was that short um uh, the viewing that was part of cabinet curiosity um but like that orgy scene that was my favorite scene oh that was my favorite scene too i was just like whoa all right this is it and they had something <laughs> for everybody oh absolutely it was they like- had like like gay sex and orgy and like and like bye and then like hermaphrodite like hermaphroditic and like and like multiple partners at the same time and like everything yeah it got to the point where like it got to the point that you don't you don't know who was who yeah who was who whose hand was that when when one part of the body started and the other part of the body ended because it like, got fuzzier and fuzzier as time went and then he started hallucinating and then he was like oh fuck this yeah with like the intense like vibrant colors and like the way i was shot even like the music um was just like really fucking wild um one particular part oh, pff, Ow. Again. that's scary <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> um one part of that orgy scene that I was just like, that I, I, it was so fascinating for me, is when um, they're like most of the group is like kneeling down, and mm. Mia Goth's character is like walking between them, but like the mask that they were wearing is no longer mask; it's like part of their face mm-hmm. and shit like that. Something about that was very artistic. Like it was, it was like, I don't know. It was like this this. Like this kind of idea of like they understand that they are of a certain type, mm-hmm. like they understand that they are savages, but they like still like appreciate the body. Um, like when Mia Goth is like walking down between them, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like they're not obvious. It's not obvious that they're doing, but I got a sense that they were kind of like looking at her and being like, "Oh, like the human body is like a beautiful thing, and it can cause so much pain at the same time." I kind of get that, but I also Mm. think, like, it's, their masks are their masks, and Mm. then, as you said, like, it becomes more a part of them. To Mm. me, it's like, you wear your mask, and eventually you wear it long enough that it becomes a part of you, and then you can't tell the difference anymore. Yeah, you know what, there's this, there's this really great Twilight Zone episode, I can't remember the name of it, it actually might be called Mask or Unmask or something like that, where, um... Where it's like, it's an old man, maybe, I think it's like, a, either old man or is a grandfather. No, he's a grandfather, I remember. He's this rich, 
rich old man, right? And he's he's close to death, um, and he invites like his sons, his daughters, like the daughter's husband, like the siblings and in laws and stuff like that, right? <clears throat> and he's like, um, and he's calling people on their bullshit, like you. And he's ri- he's rich as fuck, mm-hmm. and he's calling people on his bullshit. He's like talking about his daughter, like you know you've. What husband is this? Husband number five. You know, you just, you never want to make anything of yourself. Like, he just calls him out on this bullshit and everything and says, like, you guys only want me for my money. Like, that's the only reason why you would eat. You guys are want me for my money and you're waiting for me to die. Mm-hmm. All right. So he tells him, he goes, like, I'm going to die by the end of this night, but I want you all to wear this mask, these masks. Right. And they're like, hor- they're like disgusting masks. They're like horrified masks and stuff like that. Right. Mm hmm. Um, like disfiguring mask and shit like that. And he's like, if you wear these masks until midnight, like you get my money. All of you would get like a big portion of my money. And his mask is a skull, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like a straight skull, like if he's death, right? Mm-hmm. And so the episode plays out and they're like, like the father's like listening, talking to him and they're like arguing back and forth and stuff like that. And then they hit midnight the grandfather's dead, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, fine, we can remove this mask. They remove their mask. And their face is now the mask. <laughs> yeah, right? So, it, like, when I saw that, it reminded me of that Twilight Zone episode. Mm. And it was obviously, like, you wear, like you claim to be a one person, but you, with your ugliness inside, if you keep that facade, what's the name? Fa- facade. Facade up, you're gonna, your ugliness is going to come out, and you can't hide it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, that, yeah, that was Kind of a long way to explain what I was feeling about that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, excuse me. Um, oh, this I want to ask you. What do you think that ending meant? I want to get your opinion on this. On the ending? On the ending. Mm-hmm. The ending to me, mm. um, well, first of all, fuck that airport scene. Oh, when he's sitting there in the airport? That scene is, like, how did that scene make you feel? It made me feel like he was alone. Like, like he's like, like he's like, he's replaying everything he's done and how much he like lost a bit of himself, and or a lot of himself, and how he's like, he like he's a certain person, like a certain he's a changed person, but he's like in that airport by himself because like he's all alone. No, but before before he was alone. You but you said the airport scene, right? Yeah, he wasn't alone the whole time. Yeah, when he got were... there. It was bustling. Mm-hmm. So what did I think about that? Yeah, like, and well, I'm sure since you brought up that he was alone, I think mm-hmm. that's the part that you are kind of holding on to. Um. Um. Okay, so so you just talking about even the part where they're like bust, but there's a lot of people in there. Um, I don't know. I don't really have an opinion about that. I guess I guess because I was just focusing focusing on when the airport was empty. Mm. Um, and then like how <clears throat> there's that shot where he looks at the ticket uh-huh. and it says his name, James Foster. And he's, I feel, I feel like he like looked at his name. He was like, who is this person? Mm. Like, I don't recognize that name at all. So when he got to the airport, mm. I noticed, yeah, like it was bustling, but mm. it kept getting louder and louder mm. and maybe a little echoey. And that's exactly okay. how my head feels when I'm with people. Like oh okay I, I didn't know I didn't notice that yeah like that if you really pay attention I was mm-hmm. starting to get really anxious because I'm like I can't with 
with all of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it was suddenly quiet, mm-hmm. and and I was like, the reason why it was getting louder and louder was mm-hmm. because that he, because life is really loud, I guess, mm-hmm. and like okay. it was calling to him in a way that like is like I got to go back to this regular shit, and I can't do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess. And so then that's saying. why he was like back at the resort and it was raining and i'm like honestly i would rather sit out in the rain than join the real world that's really fucking loud too okay so do you think do you think he was literally literally at the um at the resort or metaphorically metaphorically speaking he was at the resort literally okay literally at the resort and Mm. also metaphorically because Mm. like he could never leave he couldn't leave that part of him behind Mm. Um, and he couldn't be a part of the real world anymore. The way those other people were like, oh, yeah, you know, I like to rearrange the apartment and drives him nuts, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think they broke him to the point where he couldn't be normal anymore. Mm, okay. And um, so he's like, I might as well just stay here. There's nobody here, but mm. that's it. So I, I took that um, I took that scene where he's back at the resort, not like a... Not a literal sense, but more more of a metaphorically sense. Um, like he his like that part of him that was human is there now. Like it's gone. Like it's it's it, it will always be at that hotel mm-hmm. um, or at the resort. And I think I think the idea of him being there while it's raining because when when in oh in, I, I in, thought the same thing in cinema terms when it's when there's a lot of rain going on or when water's involved, it's like a cleansing, mm-hmm. right? And he's there just sitting in there. And it's him constantly just want to cleanse, like get the dirt off. Get Like he can't clean the blood off his fingers and stuff like that. So he's just always there thinking that as it's raining, maybe if I, Maybe if I wash this evilness away, this things I've done, this change I've gone through, maybe I can go back to being normal. But mm-hmm. and that's why he like just sits there with like no emotion of like just please just wash it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and with him sitting there with no emotion, he's like kind of realizing he's like this is not working. I can't, I can't wash this filth off me. Mm-hmm. That that's how I that's how I took that like that last final shot. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, it's um not just a cleansing, but like. Mm. Out for for a second, I was like, "Why didn't he just go back to his wife?" Mm-hmm. He seemed like he really wanted to, and she seemed like she was receptive to it. I didn't even take. I didn't even. I didn't take a sense. I sorry. I didn't get the sense that he really wanted to go. I think he was just kind of, um, like he was. He was. He was uh, acting like he wanted to go. You know, like oh, this is how I'm supposed to act. I I'm obviously supposed to go back to my wife and everything like that. But just the way like his tone when he was talking to, you, he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I love you too." Well, that part, yeah, but like, um, I got it. I did get a sense that he at least believed he wanted to go back. Mm, yeah. Okay. But maybe over the course of that short little conversation, he mm. was like, "I can't." Yeah. Obviously, because I mean, he was sitting in the airport alone. Yeah, because if you think about why he's on the phone, like he's like looking around the room, and then at one point, his focus is, his focus turns to. Um, the suitcase with the three urns of the of his former bodies and stuff like that like these are these are parts of me that are now dead mm-hmm. you know and his like his gaze kind of like catches his his gaze is like on those urns mm-hmm. and that's why he's just like yeah yeah i'll see you later like that like his minds are just like i can't i can't do this anymore mm-hmm. you know <laughs> i can't be normal anymore yeah <laughs> um oh i also want to mention before before we're done, 
that scene during the during the orgy part uh-huh. where you see a vagina and a penis pops through it, <laughs> I was like, "Fuck, okay." <laughs> I thought I thought the scene of like Mia Goth jerking him off was like intense. I was like, "Oh, okay, that caught me out of nowhere." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it was, I really like this movie. I thought it was really great. I want to watch this again, like really soon with you. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. If it comes, whenever it comes, like streaming again, we gotta check it out again or mm-hmm. or watch it together. Yeah. Um. All right. Anything else? Nope. All right. Uh, what do we got next? Next, we are going to do our variety time. Are you sure it's variety time? I feel like it's something else. It's our variety time, but it's always like obscene and obscure. Like it always has a second part. Dude. Ta-da. Ta-da. I feel like I have to explain it further to you. That even though we have our... uh, What the fuck did we just watch? Mm -hmm. That's still part of our variety time. Yeah, but like... I feel like I, I know it's part of a variety of time, but I feel like whenever, uh, whenever it's like for the for this example, when it's the um, obscene and obscure, it's just like yeah, this are obscene and obscure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to do it like that, all for it. Yeah, they're all the variety time. <laughs> it's a variety. That is true. Yeah, that is that's true. This is like what the substack of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So. Um, Kelsey had checked out this. So just to kind of give you guys a heads up, we're going to try to do these like once a month. We haven't done these in a while. Like I think it's been more than a year. Yeah. So we're going to try to do these once a month. And these, the, for those who are just, who um, haven't been listening to us for that long and have never heard of this segment, we pretty much just take a deep dive into like some weird, like cult following film, like some, like some obscure shit that you might have heard of. I mean, Chud is kind of well known. But not so well known in like mainstream uh, filmmaking. I'm kind of sad we didn't choose Pumpkinhead. <laughs> I think we should oh, do that next month, though. I know. Um. So yeah, we, we uh, Kelsey had watched Chud. I had I had seen Chud like years ago, and I actually had to rewatch it again. Um. So let's take a little dive into this. Uh, this is your like I said, this is your first viewing of Chud. Mm-hmm. Just let's just see if you liked it. Did you like it or not? Did you? Yes, I liked it. <laughs> You're like, did you did you like it or not? And sometimes I don't know when I show you like weird shit. You might be like, yeah, I like it, or like, what the? F- Why'd you show me this, Mark? <laughs> I think it's because you're able to understand some movies mm. on a level that I don't. When there's like lacking emotion or it's so dark mm. that I'm like, why there mm. was nothing to this movie but blackness, like. Mm. That's it. Which is, you know, one of the reasons why I connected with Infinity Pool. Yeah, but that one had a lot of, like, emotion in it. Yeah, but, like, dark emotions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so okay, so what, uh, I want, what, what was your feelings on this movie? I want to, like, because you said you liked it, but I want to catch your feelings about this movie. I'm actually really surprised mm-hmm. at how forward-thinking it is. Okay, well, like, okay, how so? Um, just the fact that, uh... The, the wife, I don't know if she was, they were actually married. I think they might have just been the, dating. The cop's wife? No, the um, the photographer's wife. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They the were model. Dating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. 
and how she was pregnant and he was very much like we'll do whatever you want to do oh yeah i know she was just like do you want to keep it or not he goes like i will like i will do whatever you want to do and then she's like um all right we're gonna keep it he's like all right we're gonna have a baby mm-hmm. i'm all for it which <laughs> is like yeah man yeah that's yeah. awesome <laughs> i'm forward thinking shit but also um it made me i so two things mm-hmm. The fact that they were really trying to figure out what was going on with these homeless people that were, like, living in the underground. Yeah, these chuds. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, the homeless people were... Oh, the, the homeless chud. people. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. They um, they kind of were delving into a society that most people don't want to look at. Yeah, this is, like... It, it actually is a kind of a thing in, like, certain parts of the country. Like, let's just say, like, New York, example. Um, like, the subway system. It's, like like a whole society of like homeless people or like set of rules and shit like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, not even just necessarily um, in subways and stuff like that. It's just like this whole kind of society of like rules and understanding of like how you're supposed to be within like these type of groups. Mm-hmm. Um, then the other thing is that it made me think of that one movie. Um, I don't, who was in that movie? Sylvester Sloan and like mm-hmm. a young, uh, Maybe it wasn't him, but it was Sandra Demo- Bullock. De- Demolition, Demolition Man? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Dennis Leary played like the leader of like the, the underground people? Yeah. Okay. That's why. I just thought about it because of the underground people. <laughs> I, I, literally, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that movie. <laughs> My God. Three seashells. <laughs> oh, you remember that? <laughs> yeah. And then I tried to tell someone about it and they're like, what movie is this? Oh my like you're hanging out with the wrong people yeah but also i'm like i don't know the name of the movie <laughs> you're just saying it three seashells three I'm like, seashells it's part of a movie that i saw what movie i don't know <laughs> well the funny thing is like if you if you if you had said that around people who like me who like watch a lot of movies if you said three seashells they'd be like oh yeah uh uh demolition man like it, it's it's kind of is kind of a pulp culture kind of thing mm-hmm. um one thing, one thing I, I, I was actually really digging on this, and this kind of goes to what you're saying about it's very forward-thinking and progressive, um, how, like, the government, like, uh, abuses these, like, people that are considered, like, less than nothing. Or, like, throwaways. Yeah, throwaways and stuff like that. Like, how they, how they like, dump all this, like, hazardous material underground, like, in the sewers. And they're like, yeah, there are people down there, fuck them. Mm-hmm. You know all that kind of stuff, and it like really like sheds a light on that and puts puts like the government like on blast, mm. but also shows how incompetent they are at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought that was I thought that was a really great um, uh, what's it called? A great underlying message. Yeah, within the movie. Um, the other thing is that it's interesting to me that there's um. What was that look for? Sorry, I looked at the I looked at the uh the, <laughs> I looked at the mixer and I thought it stopped recording. I was like, oh no. You <laughs> know, we're good. Were you stalking it? Yeah, I was stalking it and I, <laughs> I thought it was somebody, it was not. <laughs> you were staring at it through a tinted window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <we> go on. <laughs> so it to me it's interesting that there was one person through it all, who was like, I'm really interested in finding out what's going on. Oh, yeah, that was the Daniel Stern character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because usually 
usually there's not really someone who's like that. Mm. Um, and I thought it was really good kind of to see like there's one, at least one person who cares and that person can make a difference, I guess. Yeah. I'm even like, um, even though, uh, Christopher, uh, Curry who played the, who played Captain Bosch, the, the cop, um, even he had some concern, but he seemed like he was more focused on finding his wife. I I saw it a little differently. Okay. Um, I felt like he was worried about his wife, but he was able to put it aside to try mm. and figure out what was going on. Yeah. And hopefully, maybe he would find her along the way. But I, I honestly felt like he's like, I'm not worried about her till I find her body. Mm, because okay. like there's nothing he could do right now so he had yeah. to like take care of the thing at hand which i thought was really refreshing because mm. usually 80s films with like you know police captains they're like oh, yeah, overly to... angry yeah, or whatever yeah. yeah or like or even like they're like um they got like this hero mentality of like i have to save the day like mm-hmm. kind of thing and they aren't able to seem like no it's a bit there's a bit more nuance and mm-hmm. a bit more complex and just like right and wrong and stuff like that. So I really thought that he was pretty level headed. Mm-hmm. Um and not just that, but um he couldn't get his boss to like listen to him. Yeah. Um because they were in on it with the government. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um so this movie. Oh, wait, and I yeah. also like how they depicted the underground people as actual people. Like, oh yeah, like absolutely. they weren't yeah. just like extras mm-hmm. with like no backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there was um, like the bag lady. Yeah, I was just about to bring her up. Yeah, like the bag lady. She she really puts this really interesting um idea of like, because I believe it was like what it was like her son. Or her husband. It was like she, like it was like her companion or something like that. Yeah, he wasn't related to her, but it was someone that she cared about. That was like slowly turning into a chud and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But like, she she had that she had the mentality of like he's turning into a monster, but he's my monster, and I have to like help him at, yeah. any, at any cost. And like that even caused like killing other people or like throwing people at him and stuff like that. Yeah. To, to to be fed. Yeah. Um, I honestly I remember watching this movie for the first time, and that reveal happens where like. They move, they move like the companion's body, and, you're, and it's like, blah, like all that shit. <laughs> I remember seeing that being like, oh shit. <laughs> um, and also, sometimes this movie is kind of, re- not kind of, it's pretty ridiculous mm-hmm. with some of some, because some of the acting is kind of overacting. Um, like when the creatures are coming out of the basement and the wife is, yeah. or the girlfriend is like, trying to lock herself into the apartment and it doesn't help yeah yeah and, the, and she's like help <laughs> out the window help me <laughs> and one, one of the things i always thought was funny was um so like chud said i mean for for those who don't know chud stands for cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller um but it also it also stands for something else <laughs> yeah it also stands for uh contamination hazard urban disposal um but like like how like these homeless people are like being mutated into these chuds chuds, but they all look the same. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the mutation was like, all right, we're gonna fuck up your body, but you have to look just like this. I think that was on purpose. Why do you think that was on purpose? Not just for like money or whatever. Oh yeah, it'd be too much to like do all make them all make, different. Yeah. 
I don't really think that was the case. I honestly think it was on purpose because mm. the government is turning them all into the same thing. Oh, you know the, what I mean? The savage, like, waste creatures and stuff like that. Yeah, like, um, I can totally you know, see that. Yeah, that makes people sense. People that are affected by the government lose their identity. Yeah, their humanity and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, so they all are the same after a while. Wow, this movie has a great message about, like, people who've, like, lost everything and like and they can still lose more yeah they can still lose more but also like these are these are still fucking people yeah <laughs> like and the government is like no they're not <laughs> <laughs> you know let's fill the let's fill the sewers with gas and I, blow yeah, up the city exactly <laughs> speaking of blow up the city one thing i <laughs> i always thought was so fucking funny was like that final confrontation with the uh with the head of the uh the chud group um the the, the 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 disposal people uh-huh um and like there's like this kind of fight going on and everything like that he like the cop gets shot and all that shit mm-hmm. um and then like the the government official gets shot okay mm-hmm. and he's he's like behind the wheel of like that van mm-hmm. uh, that carrier van or whatever and it like just rolls and just like the tire just falls in the manhole just like i know like gas was being pumped in through there Mm -hmm. but it was just like there was like like it just the the tire dropped in there but there was like no ignition no ignition no spark no shot of a spark like oh this is why it just went boom (laughs) (laughs) pocket should have been there that's why (laughs) don't make me think about that cat doing doing that particular Ah, I'm trying to think about it right now. Um, okay. Uh, oh, so I, there's there 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 are some facts about this movie. I I wanted to share with you. I thought it was interesting. Well, this one in particular. So apparently, Chud was a part of an inspiration for Jordan Peele to make Us. Okay. And I can see that. Mm. Um, like the fact, like there's the whole underground thing and how. These people are seen less as humans, and like they want to just be seen as equals and shit like that. I can see like where that kind of like comes in. I can kind of see it. I feel like this movie does a better job of humanizing the mm. underground people. <laughs> better than Jordan Peele. Yeah, because Jordan <laughs> Peele just demonized them. <laughs> if we ever meet Jordan Peele, I'll be like, yo, man, Chud did it better. going to do our geriatric cinematic of David Cronenberg's The Fly. I think you're making a mistake. I think you really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yeah, but they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. There is a limit, even to the imagination. Human teleportation, molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging... Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. This film came out in 1986. 
And the synopsis is a brilliant but eccentric scientist begins to transform into a giant man-fly hybrid after one of his experiments goes horribly wrong. Directed by David Cronenberg, written by Charles Edward Pogue and David Cronenberg. Uh, stars Jeff Goldblum, uh, Gina Davis, and John Getz. I also think it's funny that, that guy's last name is Pogue. Pogue? Mm-hmm. It's a military... Uh, Term? derogatory term really yeah. what is what is what is the what does pogue mean in the military? a pogue is someone who's in the military but has never been deployed Ooh, i think so i've uh i know uh, i had a former boss who was a straight pogue really yeah he was part of the uh national guard he swore he was like very like pro-military he, he even wore one of those like ball caps that's like military type mm-hmm. um loved his guns you know uh but no he wanted to he was a horse trainer oh no never mind oh okay it's similar someone mm. who has deployed mm. but they didn't go to front lines or engage in direct combat but also oh, okay. that's not the first thing that popped up when i looked it up what was the first thing that popped up um a purse hence money <laughs> u.s slang a young male passive homosexual. New to me. <laughs> it's new to me. Uh, all right, so back back onto the fly. Um, David Cronenberg's The Fly, uh, 1986. This is the remake of the 1954 film. I think it's 1954, starring Vincent Price. Did you ever see that one? Yeah. I, I love both of these movies. Mm. Uh, it, it's so funny because... That version, the the Vincent Price version, ends up in a fucked up way. This one ends up in a fucked up way. But I think I I, I that that the 1954. Fly, no, let me make sure I get this correct. I want to make sure <laughs> I want to make sure I get the dates correct because I hate doing this. Um, <clears throat> let me see. So you could have just said 1950s. No, I can't do that. Off by four years, 1958. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like to have my dates correct. Um, but I I think the night okay, so the the this fly, the 1986 version, that ending, I think that ending is sad. Mm-hmm. It's a really sad ending. But the 1958 version, that ending is really fucked up. Mm-hmm. I think it's more fucked up than than the really? Cronenberg version. Yeah, because it's I, I that version I saw as a kid. I mean, don't give it too much no, away. No, no, I'm not going to give it away. I saw that movie as a kid and the last 5 minutes stuck with me. Okay. It still sticks with me today because it's so messed up. Um, but uh, but back to the 1986 version. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I grew up watching this movie. It's one of my favorite Cronenberg films. Mm-hmm. Um, practical effects is fucking awesome. Acting is awesome. Even the music is fucking awesome, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, this is my opinion. No one cares about it. What's more important is what did Kelsey think about it? I love this movie. Yes. Like, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think Gina Davis is all that attractive in Beetlejuice, and that's the only thing I've really seen her in, uh, other than this movie. Uh, and I was like, I could see it. That's She's fu- really fucking hot. That's funny, because like... I think it's the hair. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I'm not a fan of 80s hair, because it's like a lot of uh, like spray and like poofiness and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But Gina Davis got it going on in this movie. In I this was, movie in particular, yeah. Yeah, I was just like... And that's the thing. I've always had a crush on Gina Davis. Um even like now, she looks she's pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, 
at the time, Gina Davis was was more of an unknown. She had been in a few few movies. She was in this movie called Earth Girls Are Easy. Really fucking weird movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeff Goldblum had already kind of established himself as an actor. Um, but I think with I think I feel like this movie really got Gina Davis like on the map because mm-hmm. it's like it's a lot of dramatic acting and it's not like it's not like it's not like overdone or like corny or anything like that. It's just like the right amount of like of drama mm-hmm. that I think fits well with the story. Yeah. Um so what did you what what did you like about this movie? What did you like about this movie or in your case love about this movie? <laughs> um the fact first of all, Janet Davis's character mm-hmm. is like she knows she's fucking hot. <laughs> but not in a really going pret- back to the hotness. <laughs> well yeah, cuz she's not pretentious about it. She's yeah. just like I don't have time for you. Yeah, like, I don't have time for this bullshit, especially like the John Gates, uh, Gates character. Sorry, Gates character. She's like, I don't have time for your, your shit. I know you yeah. still love me, but fuck you. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, like she comes off not pretentious, but as someone mm. who kind of knows what she wants. Yeah. Um, and not like too hard, not like ball busting about it either. No. Yeah. Um, I really like their dynamic between you know between uh, Gina Davis and um, Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Because um, he is so weird. I love that about him. Me too. But but his character is weird. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not Jeff Goldblum weird. It's just, like, a, yeah. that guy weird. It's very, like... What's the word? Eccentric? I want to say eccentric. It's, like, kind of like an introvert, but, like, with, like, ADD or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they work. Like... Mm. Which is funny because you don't get a sense that he could be jealous of anything. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he's like jealous. And you're like, I could see why. Because yeah. you finally got something that you never thought you'd be able to get. Yeah, yeah. And now she's, you know, going to talk to her ex-boyfriend. Yeah, and he kind of like. And I and I think that's, um, that's like a really good catalyst for, uh, or jumping off point um, for that character to like say like fuck like these fuck these like trials and stuff like that let me just go ahead and let me just transport myself you know to like in a way like to prove myself that i'm i'm better than the than the ex-boyfriend that she's going back to to talk to Mm -hmm. um so they were i think and i can't say this for sure but from my opinion i think that the chemistry between the two really worked because they were actually dating oh okay like um let me hold up. I found I found some a couple of interesting facts that I'm going to bring up real quick. So Jennifer Jason Lee and Laura Dern were considered for considered for the role of Veronica, and the story goes is like they 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 brought Jeff Goldblum on, and um like they were skeptic of like hiring Gina, Day, Gina Davis because they were dating. Mm-hmm. Like they want an unknown, but they were skeptic about that because, or sorry, skeptical about that, be, uh, because they were dating. Because uh, I think Cronenberg didn't want like the relationship, like pr- the personal life and the professional life, to like mix in and kind of like fuck up if something happens, like they break up. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a good choice that they brought her on because like that dynamic is so perfect. Mm-hmm. Like the like eventually like where she where it's he's like his body's like slow deteriorating and every time she sees him he's like worse and worse and worse. You really get that feel of like this person's dying in front of me like holy shit. Yeah. You know? He's never getting better. 
Yeah. Um. So one of the one of the biggest draws of this movie is like the creature design, mm-hmm. the practical effects. What, what did you think about that? It's pretty horrifying. <laughs> so much so I that I think the first time that I watched the movie, my uh-huh. brain immediately purged it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> because when I watched it again, and it wasn't like we watched it like five years ago or something. Mm-hmm. It had only been like two years. Mm. And I watched it this time, like, I don't remember any of this. Yeah, like, the first time I actually showed Kelsey this movie, it was at, it was at the Beyond Fest. Mm-hmm. And they were showing this. And it was locked down, so we were at the Mission Tiki. I know, rest in peace. Um, oh, it's all the, it's done done? It's done done. Oh. Like, drive-ins, gone. It's not even an outdoor swap anymore. Um, and I think at the time, it was like a, it's like a 4K release of the movie. Mm-hmm. Did I have Leia with me? I feel like no. I did. Oh, no, that was Big Trouble in Little China. Um, it was a double feature. It was this and The Blob. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great double feature. Um, but, yeah, I didn't know you purged it. I didn't know it was so horrifying that it, you purged it. I didn't know it was either because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't remember this. <laughs> like, holy shit, this is horrifying. And I'm like... You're really okay with this movie, Katie? She's like, yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah, Kelsey's youngest was like, because I remember we picked her up from like uh, band practice. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hey, Katie, do you want to watch a horror movie? And she's like, yes. Didn't care what it was. <laughs> yes. And she just watched and is no way turning her, turning her head, covering her eyes. She's just like, boom, I'm absorbing all this fucked upness. But Cadence, why do you like the movie? I don't know. I just like it. You know, I just like it. Like, all right. Yeah, I, I got to a point where I'm just like, she likes it. All right, cool. That's fine. <laughs> um, you know, I have, a, I do have a similar, similar story about purging mm-hmm. parts of this movie. Uh, my peas are popping. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was this, it was the birthing scene between Gina, Gina Davis, what Gina Davis like gives birth to like the maggot. Oh yeah. I remember <laughs> seeing that as a kid and being like, yoink, like that's it. I've wiped that. <laughs> And then, like, I didn't remember that at all. Really? <laughs> he did the same thing. The adult me did the same yeah, thing. Yeah, the adult me did the same thing. <laughs> um, but like, I remember when we when we when I showed it to the movie to you for the first time. I even told you, I'm like, I, I said something like, "The scene that's happening fucked me up as a kid." Like, I it was like one of the most horrifying things, right? And I remember when we saw it, I was like, "Oh, it's not that bad." And then, and then we watched it again for this podcast. And I was like, oh, that is pretty bad. Like, ooh, that's gross. <laughs> it's like you forget every time. Yeah, like every time, like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm always at this moment when that scene happens. And it's shot really well because it's supposed to be fucking horrifying. Um, I'm always like, when that scene is about to come, I'm almost like squinting like, here it is going to happen. <laughs> um, not just how bad he looks towards the end but the whole emotional aspect of it oh me, the jeff goblin character yeah yeah between him and gina davis is mm-hmm. like sad and like horrific and emotional and yeah. like tragic it's just like a lot to deal with mm-hmm. all in like just two people yeah and it happens like within a span of like what two weeks or something two or three weeks yeah um and like, cause no, I think it's a few months. 
No, I think it's actually maybe three weeks to a month because of because he says it on the phone. Like when like she hadn't seen him. For, oh yeah, I can remember. She said like I haven't heard from you in weeks, um, and it's like the first time that he sees. It's sorry, it's the first time that Gina Davis um, sees Jeff Goldblum as like the mutation has like fully gotten hold of him. Mm-hmm. And remember, she's like she gets pregnant at one. She eventually she gets pregnant. So there's like still like that. That unknown. Yeah, that like three to four week window or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, God, I forgot what I was going to say. Where are we going at? Um, I think we were talking about the emotional aspect. Oh, yeah, the emotional aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, feel like I, I feel like I cut you off. No, and you were talking about um, her being pregnant. Mm-hmm. I felt like you were going somewhere with that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so. <laughs> You're like, I don't know where I was going. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, now I remember. That's what I was going to say. The emotional aspect of it, especially from Gina Davis' end, was very... I mean, not from just her end, but, like, the connection between her and, and Jeff Goblin's character was, like, very real. Mm-hmm. Like, there are times where you would swear she started really... Cr- well, she probably was, like, really crying on, on the scene. Like, um, and there's even, like, that really heartbreaking part where... He's now like known as he calls himself like Brundlefly, mm-hmm. um, and he's like really mutating and shit like that. And he says this line like, "I was a fly who dreamt of a man, but now the man is gone, and there's only the fly or some shit like that." And she's like, "I have no idea what you're saying," but she's like crying, mm-hmm. right? It's like she's not accepting the fact that like he's gone, um, but she doesn't want to admit to it. That's that time where he's talking about the politics of being an insect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which I thought it. was fascinating yeah yeah that was great he was uh why do you think that was fascinating because you don't think about the politics of being an insect Mm, right mm. like what are the politics and he kind of explains it like basically eat or be eaten yeah um like darwinism and stuff yeah and you don't think about it in terms of politics and he's like i bet you i would make a great politician oh yeah because he's like turning into that yeah that type of creature um one thing I also want to bring up that I thought is like it's so damn well done. Other than like directing and the writing and the acting, is the music. Mm-hmm. The music score is like so fucking great. It really like it's not overbearing, but it's like just dramatic enough to be like, oh, this thing's really fucked up, or this is like when the character is like at his lowest mm-hmm. uh, point in the movie. Um, I do love that ending though. Like, I love how it just builds up and up and up to, like, that that part where, like, she, like, pushes his face and his jaw comes off. And oh, it's just, yeah. like, full-on fly. Yeah. Right? And to tell you the truth, I never get over that scene. Because it's so fucking gross. <laughs> I think everything's gross to you. Oh, go on. Because I keep saying ew while you're watching Dr. Pole. Yeah. And it's, it's gross. It's gross. <laughs> um... Basically shaming me for you know working on a farm. I'm not shaming you. I'm you just can saying, never live there. It looks like it stinks. I'm a, I'm just admitting that I'm and not. I'm like I'm yeah, I worked on a farm, and you're like yeah. Now you're better than that. You are better than that. <laughs> sometimes you know I mean that not to shit on farmers, uh-huh. but sometimes people just aren't built for that. Mm. They want to. You think I'm not built for that? Sorry, sorry, didn't mean that. Mrs. I worked on a pig farm and killed baby pigs. <laughs> No, but they, they're like, I want to do something better than killing baby pigs. 
That was my job, killing baby pigs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like I'm underselling it. Underselling what? The fact that I killed baby pigs? Yeah, but you like you didn't have to be like a savage. Like that was part of your job. Like what? What was it? Oh, because um, the mother would like squash him or something like that, right? Yeah, and then they would become paralyzed. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So it was mercy. You're mercy killing. That's that's the word I should say. You're mercy killing these baby pigs. Yeah. Okay. Um. So one one thing I want to bring up um, is our discussion portion for uh, the fly. Um, so pretty much like, what do we think the metaphor of the fly is? Like, what do we think it was trying to say? Um, so I'll start off. I felt like the movie was covering addiction mm-hmm. um, and how uh, how addiction like slowly like kills the relationship and like deteriorates the body. Mm-hmm. And what it's kind of fucked up seeing your partner just like slowly like become no they don't they're no longer the person that you recognize they've like almost like become like a monster mm-hmm. and that that's i that's one aspect i think the movie was trying to cover you know what's funny i think the same thing except mine of being a zealot mm-hmm. fits being addicted to something mm-hmm. the same way yeah like it's not that there's drugs or anything um, involved, but it's definitely mm. like an idea takes hold and totally transforms a person's oh, yeah, absolutely. personality and the way they think and mm-hmm. everything to the point where you're like, I don't recognize you anymore. Yeah, you've let this idea just take hold of everything. You can say, actually, you can apply it to um, like these MAGA people. Honestly, I was thinking about one of your friends. Which one? Um, the one that you said was really cool and then eventually like moved out of state to a red state. Oh yeah, yeah. We're not gonna say his name. He no. might he might be listening to the show. But yeah, there I had a friend he was like a really cool guy, kinda like chill and everything. Well he was he was actually a chill individual. Him and I used to have really good discussions about like movies and just cracking jokes and stuff like that. And then he moved out he moved he moved out of California to a different state. Didn't and- he try to move back and it didn't work out? No, he he moved from he moved from one state to another, tried to start a life that didn't work out, so he moved back, and then he moved out to a different state permanently because mm-hmm. his family's out there now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I found out stuff about him. I was just like, "Whoa, dude! No way were you like this when we were growing up and stuff like that." Like he yeah. ended up becoming he ended up becoming like uh, he like voted for Trump. He ended up kind of being like a MAGA person, like totally into guns. That gun thing has always been a part of him. Like oh. my. Like uh, my friends and I, we used to like joke around, being like, "Oh, the only the only woman he ever needs is the gun, or something no. <laughs> like that." But like he's gotten like kind of crazier with the guns now. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. So 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 the what I was getting at the whole like holding like sticking to an idea and how you're just no longer the same person. Mm-hmm. Like I said, these like MAGA people who are like fixated on like Trump and like the government's trying to get us and we need to overturn it, like the whole January sixth thing. They had this idea that just took over everything, and there are there are families who are are like separated now because mm-hmm. their relative is like a MAGA person, and they're just like, I don't need that toxin in my life. Yeah. Um. You want to say what your next, uh, what the your next metaphor? What it, the movie might have meant? Yeah. Um. It kind of goes hand in hand with uh, Zealot, but mm-hmm. um, it's like the corruption of a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and how eventually that good idea can actually corrupt you. Mm, yeah. And it's hard to tell. Yeah. Is the idea corrupting you or are you corrupting the idea? Yeah. So, you know, he's 
making these teleportation devices, but he can become so obsessed over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, he's like, this is cool. This mm-hmm. is going to help everything, but you it's don't... It's going to change the world. It's gonna, yeah, but there's, like, always a dark side of things that people choose not to see. Mm-hmm. And, um, unfortunately, it kind of bit him in the ass. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I see that, like, yeah, his... Because like he like he had it's funny because he has that one moment where like before Gina the Gina's day, the Veronica before Veronica left um, I I can't want to call him Brundlefly <laughs> when Veronica left Seth you know to go talk to her ex boyfriend or kind of be like chill and shit like that um, before that he was just like all right because he already did the experiment on the baboon the baboon 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 baboon. Um, and he was like, all right, we just got to... You know what's funny? Hmm. There's baboons. Mm. And um, <coughs> in uh, Infinity Pool, they talk about baboons. Or they say the word. I remember it specifically because Migas says baboon. Oh. Because <laughs> she's British. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was like, he was very like, let's go by the books. Like, this is a serious thing. This is going to change the world. I want to make sure it like... We, like, basically take record of it. Yeah, exactly. And he has that one moment of, like, like, he's been drinking. He's like, all right, fuck, I'm just going to do it. And that one moment, like, fucking just destroys him. Mm-hmm. You know, like like you were saying, the corruption of idea. He had that one moment of corruption, and it just, like, destroyed his entire life. And mm-hmm. pretty much, like, destroyed Veronica's life. Because she just, she like, how do you get over that? <laughs> how do you get over it? But, like, I don't know. And like not just like seeing your seeing somebody become a monster, but like blowing the brains, <laughs> blow his brains out too, like a mercy kill. Not just that, but like the first time you're carrying a child, mm-hmm. you don't even know if it's human. Oh, I know, right? And like you loved this person, and mm-hmm. now you're terrified of this person. Mm-hmm. But the love is still there, but it hurts because it's like it's so fucked up now. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, there's. Like there's there's just, you don't know what this thing's growing inside you, but like, like your maybe your mother instincts kicking of like, but this thing inside me is growing. That means it's a part of me. That means am I gonna kill a part of me? Like that kind of whole mm-hmm. weird thing. Um. So my idea, my other idea, I think this movie's trying to say is like it's about losing a partner to a disease. Mm-hmm. Now it could be cancer, AIDS, Parkinson's, like whatever. But just seeing somebody that you care about and love so much to slowly deteriorate deteriorate in front of you, mm-hmm. it's very traumatic. Like I had a close friend who had leukemia and was like slowly dying. Mm-hmm. Um and that's this happened like this happened almost twenty years ago and it still fucked me. Like it still was fucking me up. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes when I think about that dude I start crying. Yeah. Um and then like some things that's happened in my personal life where someone else uh, that I care about uh, has cancer. I'm at a point where I'm like, oh, oh, I haven't done it so much now because we kind of got the results and it's not as bad as um, we think we thought it could be. Mm-hmm. But like just leading up to the results, it was just like it's like the fear of the unknown and exactly, exactly, and the fact that like oh, you might lose this person, and like once they're gone, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Like that whole thing. You know, like it's different when like you spend a life with that person and you're like, all right, like. I, I can see, like, it's time to go. Like, you you're know? old enough now that yeah. it won't be sad because... Yeah, I mean, there's still, like, a I level... I mean, it'll of, be sad, but... Yeah, but you've experienced this life, and then all of a sudden this... And it's 
it's fucked up because like the Gina Davis character, she was like very in love with this man. She was very passionate about him. She like couldn't get she couldn't get him off um she couldn't get him off her mind and just to have all of that just like gone. Yeah. And slowly die in front of you. That's like a very fucked up thing to Especially witness. Especially in, in light of her failed relationship with um Stathis. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like there's that whole like he's a piece of shit mm. and she sees um you know uh Brundle mm. as like oh he's really a good guy. Yeah. And then for it to be like, okay, that hope is gone now, like, okay, I'm stuck with the shit because he was the one person that out of all these men who are trash. Yeah. Yeah. Turned into a fly and she had to blow his brains out. <laughs> um so which what's, what's your other idea of this movie i i really want to get your take on what on on this portion that you you came up with yeah um a woman losing autonomy over her body okay so you know go into more detail because like when you brought that up, i was like oh fuck, i can't wait for her to talk about this <laughs> okay so even from the very beginning when they first meet each other mm-hmm. he's like trying to pick her up but not really mm-hmm. and she's like i don't have time for this i don't even find you attractive i don't understand mm-hmm. why like why do i have to go back to your place with you mm-hmm. but it's funny because like men have a way of convincing women to do things mm-hmm. and she did it like yeah she was very like adamant of like you might just be some creep and like i'm here because i have to interview all these other scientists why am i gonna like not do that and possibly jeopardize my job just for you to show me something that I don't even know it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. But she was there, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like the thing, right? Like the thing that men do that women, for whatever reason, fall into. Mm-hmm. Like I'm guilty of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, you know, she basically gives herself to him. Mm-hmm. And um, the minute things aren't exactly the way he thinks they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. he's jealous and angry and makes mm-hmm. a bad decision. Yeah. And his bad decision fucks up her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You totally. know, she mm-hmm. ends up pregnant with his baby and she doesn't know if it's a lot like a person or a fly or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so even like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but. Just to add to more of what you're saying, like, she's pregnant. Um, Like, she doesn't, like, yeah, like you said, like, how she's losing autonomy over her body. She doesn't know whether to keep it or not keep it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Yeah, she's like, I want, she's like, she's like, I want to get it out and I want to get rid of it. But there's still, like, a level of hesitation. And it's just like, it's like, instead of, like, just her being pregnant by just a normal guy, there's this threat of, like, I don't know if this thing's going to fucking kill her or not. Therefore, I don't even have control over my own what's growing inside me over my own body but even though she does make the choice mm-hmm. to have an abortion and she's actually desperate to have one yeah. at this point mm-hmm. um brundle takes her brundle fly yeah yeah he like takes her mm-hmm. through the window and like he's like no you have to have this baby mm-hmm. you know we're gonna like all meld our dna together yeah and it's not even like i want you to have this baby because you know, I want you to, like, I just want you to keep life or keep life going and stuff like that. It is like, no, we're going to merge our bodies together. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, And so, like, he takes, he's basically taking her autonomy away, like, taking her yeah, ability again, to. Yeah. Um, and then he's trying to even take over her body more so instead of 
her having to have this baby, he mm. wants to like really make them all one and she mm. is just not about it. It's like it's like being forced into a marriage. Oh yeah. Uh forced into a unity with a partner that it's all it's you know it's gonna be all bad. Yeah. The situation that you know it's gonna be all bad. Mm-hmm. And then even mm. so autonomy is more than just about your body. Yeah. Um, sometimes your autonomy can be taken away over like mental traumas. Mm -hmm. Um, even though it's the end of the movie and all this shit happens, Mm -hmm. she, um, she's never going to be herself again. Anyways, he took everything from her, Yeah. but it sucks because it also wasn't, it was his fault, but it wasn't his fault. Like he didn't mean for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's partly why it's so tragic. Yeah. Like you can't, it's, it's. You can't really look at uh, Seth Brundle and being like, this is all his fault. He fucked up all this shit. Now her life is fucked up. You you still feel bad for the dude. Like, he just wanted to make the world a better place. And he had, like, a moment of weakness. Mm -hmm. And he, like, not only did he pay for it with his life, but, like, the life of Veronica. Not, like, even in in a death kind of way. It's just, like, she'll never... You'll never, you can never recover from that, mm-hmm. <laughs> like ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, that's so funny. Like I see this movie multiple times. I never, I never saw that angle. Really? Yeah. Like, like my my whole thing, and I'm not saying like I don't. I'm not saying that like I don't see the the plight of of what women go through and stuff like that. But um, I didn't see it as deep as you did, and I think because I was just so focused of like, oh, the story is about addiction, about seeing your partner die, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but when you brought up the autonomy part, I'm like, holy shit, that makes complete fucking sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought that was great. that was great. That's yeah. that's why I love talking to you about these movies because you're just like, yeah, this was what it probably meant. I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> like my my what. <laughs> You know what? That reminds me of that time when um, we did that 12 Monkeys episode with James. Uh-huh. And you pointed out something to us that he and I did not catch. And we were just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what the fuck? I don't remember. It has something to do with the ending. We're not going to spoil it, but it has something to do with the ending. Well, I'll have like to go a, back and listen. Yeah, like a certain person like being there or some shit like that. Mm. Um, yeah, is there, um, is there anything else? Nope. All right. So that's going to be our show for this week. Uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us on this week's show. Uh, we especially like to thank the folks at uh, Your Entertainment Corner for hosting this podcast on their website. Uh, you can find all your film news, TV news, and reviews at yourentertainmentcorner.com. Um, I see Judy's back. She, Judy's active again. Yeah, I saw. I felt bad because uh, she asked me and uh, the other guy on the mm-hmm. site to uh who wanted to do this movie it was exactly only one movie oh okay so it was just like whoever wants to take it that's theirs yeah and i and she hasn't asked since which it hasn't really been that long anyway but Mm. i'm like i really wanted to Mm. but at the same time i didn't i had to be at my computer to see my webmail because Mm. she said she emailed it to our personal accounts and Mm. i never got it Mm -hmm. so i'm like but i swear i want to review yeah, well, drop a line, uh, drop a line to her, just to kind of like, just kind of remind her, like, hey, like I'm still around, you know, like whatever you got it next, like let me know or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I I know she'll appreciate it like a lot. Yeah, Judy's not the type of person to like fuck that person or whatever. Yeah, I know. And she's uh, like, if you want a review, 
cool if you're not fine i like i'm not gonna be <laughs> yeah it's for free so yeah do you think just hear me out do you think you would want to do an editorial on the fly of what you were saying yeah the autonomy, autonomy of woman a woman <laughs> the autonomy of a woman, woman. I, <laughs> um it wouldn't just be about that though i'd want to kind of delve into a lot of the topics that we brought oh up. yeah yeah i'm not saying it just has to be that but you can kind of have like a set look at me telling you what to do <laughs> no just like suggesting this like you know i you can do it like and break it down like four or five paragraphs and be like a movie means this this is why or it means this you know depending on where you're coming from mm-hmm. i think that'd be really great yeah um. Yeah, I think that'd be great. You should totally do it. I'm gonna root for you. You're gonna root for me? Yeah, I want you to do it. I'm gonna. You know what? Like how you like how you got on me about you didn't really get on me, but the whole David Bowie editor uh, I've been working on for like two weeks. No, you've been working on it for a couple years. Shh! Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but even you mentioning like, oh, have you started writing it, or like how far have you gotten on it? Um, happy to say, I'm gonna write it up tomorrow. Yes, looking forward to that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna start trying to put. So I'm gonna start trying to push it. Be like, yeah, go do that. Like, just do it. I think it will be fun to do because I also there's another part of like autonomy. Mm-hmm. There's like another side where it's like you accept the fact that there's only one type of guy out there. Mm, I like. And that. when like she finally that. learns that that's not true, it gets uh, taken from her. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I know you like women's pain. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I think she's totally right there. That would be so awesome. And I know, I know Judy would love that. Mm. I know she'd love that. Um, so, so anyway, we made a little detour again. Um, so, yeah, uh, don't be afraid to drop us an email at therealappeal uh, at gmail.com. That's real with two E's. You know, say hi. Say how much we suck. Say how much great. Whatever. We'll probably read it on there. Um. So, yeah, you can find this podcast on all podcast catchers. We're all over the place. Um, whatever, wherever, whatever podcast catcher you use, don't be afraid to drop us a review there. It kind of, like, picks us up on the charts and help us, helps us get noticed. Um, so, for... <laughs> I didn't update it. <laughs> well, but I already know what we're doing. So, we're going to be back next week. We've taken a break. There's a bunch of movies we're going to be reviewing as as the uh, in the leading months. Um, so our reason review is going for next week's show is going to be uh, "Knock at the Cabin." That sounds so wrong. I don't like that title. A knock at the cabin. A knock at the cabin. Yeah, I th- I feel like it should have been a knock on the door. Yeah, knock at the cabin. I don't really like that title. Knock at the cabin. Anyway, <laughs> it sounds like. You trying to say not at the cabin? Yeah, not like, at the, knock not, at the cabin? Yeah, knock at the cabin. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the latest M. Night Shyamalan uh, film. Or, you know, what we like to call him, Shyamalan Ding Dong. Mm-hmm. Um, so that comes out on Friday, February 3rd uh, in theaters. Um, with that, we're going to do our geriatric cinematic, which is, which is A Few Good Men, which I believe is 1994. Watch I get that wrong. I think it's really Damn funny. It. 1992. I was off by two years. <laughs> I think it's really funny that Demi Moore did that movie really close to um, G.I. Jane. Oh, yeah, that's right. What, what did G.I. Jane come they're, out? They're both military movies. Uh, let's see. I feel like it was like the following year. G.I. Jane came out five years later. It's so a 97. Oh, really? Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> Not as cool. Whatever. 
What the fuck? What? Oh, that's fucked up. So there's a song by Blaze Ghost. It's called G.I. Jane 2. Uh-huh. With, uh, and it has, what's her name? Jada Pickett Smith on the picture. Uh. That's fucked up. It's on YouTube, too. Oh, that's fucked up. Anyway, sorry. Detour again. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be uh, taking a look at um, 1992's A Few Good Men. Um, that is streaming on AMC Plus or is available to rent on Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube TV, or other VOD services. At the time of this recording, that's what it's streaming, or you can rent it. Um, the topic for that week will be uh, The Conspiracy Dilemma. Yeah. Really looking forward to doing that one with you. Me too. You know what also I'm looking forward to? Watching A Few Good Men, because you haven't seen it. That's true. I haven't seen it. But something even better. Hmm. Ride my motherfucking bike. I can't wait for you to ride your motherfucking bike <laughs> away from me and shut the fuck up. No, what I'm going to do, because folks, I, I have a bike. It's a fixie. I just fix it back up and everything. I. That's why it's called a fixie. I know, right? Because you fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is, so stupid. <laughs> so I'm going to do is I'm going to leave Kelsey uh-huh. on my bike and then come back and be like, I just rode my bike. I won't let you in. Yeah, you will. No. If you want me to come through the window like a brundle fly, just... <laughs> kind of, yeah. Kind of. I'll jump through the window and be like, ow, ow, ow. The glass <laughs> over, ow. No, you'll look ow. down at your bleeding arm. Ew. <laughs> <laughs>